Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm Manuel Veit, hier ist Stefan Bienkowski. Und Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very well indeed. Uh, looking forward to another Champions League week after some utter chaos in the Bundesliga. But just nice to have domestic football back. Yeah, it is nice. And um, it's it's also nice because I am actually at two Champions League fixtures this week. Um, and then a Europa League fixture as well. Mm. So I'm, I'm first doing Bayern Munich tomorrow. Uh, it's an early fixtures, two early fixtures back to back, six forty-five each, mm. um, German time, and then I'm in Freiburg for a late fixture, nine o'clock, against uh, Nantes. So full, full slate of games uh, yeah. this week. Is um, is now is now a good time to kind of announce to subscribers that our extra podcast will be a late one on Wednesday after yeah. the Dortmund game, after the Dortmund game, and maybe even from the stadium in Leipzig. Yeah. <laughs> depending on how things go because like, I have to do mixed zone and all that so I might just find a quiet spot but yeah uh, that's a good time to announce it and also um, I have to also say people really love the match recap from the mm. Friday game um, the, the feedback on that has been very positive so and I think going forward the two of us when we are at games I think we're going to do it more often yeah, I think I think people seem to really enjoy it. It's it seems like quite an old fashioned thing. It seems like match reports aren't that cool anymore. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of people still quite like them, especially for a league that does its best to not get broadcast around the world. Yeah, and I think it's also I guess the recap kind of fashion with your own thoughts, which are actually a lot of fun to write because it gives you a lot of article ideas down the road. But um, I mean, as I said, it doesn't always work. It depends on storylines in the game and. Obviously, the the Friday game had a ton of storylines going in and a lot of storylines going out. So that's probably the first game we should start with after this break, right? Mm. Yeah. All right. So let's get started with that right after this. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V, believe, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. So, Bayern against Bayer Leverkusen, the Krisen derby. Um, I, I mean, it, it was over quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to say I pointed out in my in my last newsletter that if Bayern and the German national team want to end their crisis quickly, they just need to play Jama Musiala as much as possible. And uh, the kid proved me right. One assist to create the first goal, scored the second himself, and then assisted the third. I would say that's a job well done from a 19-year-old playing for Bayern Munich. Um, other than that, Bayern Munich perhaps ending their crisis early with their 4-0 win over Leverkusen? Or should we go with the narrative that they put out post-game that it's maybe still a little bit too early because the team that they were playing wasn't really resisting? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, how nice is it that Bayer Leverkusen could just offer themselves as like a nice palate cleanser to these teams that are struggling to pick up form? Mm. Uh, yeah, this just looked like another car crash from Leverkusen. Uh, it was it was always going to be one of two things. I thought yeah. uh, it was either going to be Bayern bounce back or you know Leverkusen take advantage of them. And I know that's me basically covering my bases, but <laughs> with Leverkusen, there never seems to be anything in between. There's never a, like just a dull nil nil win or not dull dull nil nil draw rather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you know? Again, it feels to me like. Um, the moments between Herodeki's clangers are getting, like the time between them is getting shorter and shorter mm. to the point where we may just reach a constant where he's just constantly making clangers because it felt like he did it once a season or once every two or three yeah. months or something. Now it seems like it's happening every two weeks so or even yeah. just every game at the moment. So it it, it just summed up. I, I mean, I know can't really blame a goalkeeper for getting thumped 4-0 because and I think I think two of the goals if I'm not mistaken were kind of deflections anyway but he was obviously at fault for the last one Thomas Miller's goal but he's yeah. been so... and Muziala's too I would say yeah. it's it's beautiful that wasn't a build-up and as great as his shot was and from it was a difficult shot to take it does kind of go through him hmm. yeah exactly exactly and he's been doing this all weekend really and all season rather yeah Um, but it's it's just he's he seems to be constantly at fault right now. I've, I've, I'm on. I'm, I think it's on. I'm well on records in this podcast to saying I don't think he's good enough for Leverkusen. Mm. Uh, I think some of the club are also well aware of that, and it's a constant debate within the club because I think he's actually quite well liked as well. Um, but I'd also add Jonathan Tah to that list as well. I think the two of them for some time now actually probably held Leverkusen back. Yeah. Um, but. It is what it is, I suppose, you know, and I guess no one really expected Leverkusen to go down to Munich and cause an upset, and they didn't. Well, I did think that if they would be well enough organized, that they could probably take something from Bayern. And there were still times where this Bayern Munich side did not look like they were still completely out of the crisis mode. It was just that they had a perfect start, and then they got an assist by Radetzky. And, you know, on that topic... It was really interesting what Fernando Caro, the CEO of Bayer Leverkusen, said uh, at Doppelpass on Sunday was that it can't be that a goalkeeper of Radetzky's class keeps making mistakes as often as he does. That's a public statement that's out there now, right? And then uh, post-game, Radetzky was the first out of the dressing room, straight through the mix zone. Uh, people that are not aware of German football, right? Uh, the players all have to go through the mix zone to get to the bus. And the Allianz Arena is quite brutal because... The, the mixed zone. You've been you've been there, right, Stefan? Have you been there before COVID? Before it was open again at the mixed at the zone, Allianz the, Arena. At the Allianz Arena. Oh, have I? I think I have. Yeah, I've been once before. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like the one side is for players from the away. So when you when you stand on there's a huge gate, the players all have to come out of this gate unless you're Thomas Müller and you know the secret exit. And um, they have to walk past this. There's always four or five guys from build, at least three from the Arben side, two from TZ. Um, there's this guy from Transfermarkt that's usually there as well. Uh, <laughs> they all hang out and we're all kind of like vultures waiting to get our quotes, right? And you have to go past the media. You have like you have no way to get out of it unless, again, you're Thomas Müller and you decide to go across the pitch. But um, Radetzky was the first out, nothing to the media, nothing at all, straight to the bus and s- sat in the bus for about an hour and a half before everyone else was out there. Um, none of the players spoke. Simon Rolfes came out and did speak, and he said that we'll have to change everything. And the only good thing about this game is that we're playing against again on Tuesday. And that sounds a little bit like a final then for Gerardo Sione. Mm, yeah, I think so, to be honest with you. I think, <coughs> excuse me, um, from what I was told kind of in the lead up to this game, the Bayern game, the, this was almost like a free hit for him. Um, you know, there's no real expectation on the club to go and, you know, pick up Brazil against Bayern Munich. Um and despite everything that's happened this season, you know, despite it being like their worst start to a campaign ever or something like that, there's still a lot of goodwill towards him because it's clear that he has a very good technical head coach, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, what someone the way someone put it to me actually recently was that even if they are forced to sack him, they're well aware of the fact that he'll probably bounce back and be a very good coach somewhere else because, you know, something just isn't seem to be working right now. But obviously he has to pick up results. Uh, yeah. And the way that Schalke played at the weekend um, would really make you think this is an easy fixture. It's, it's I guess there's no real easy fixture to Bundesliga, but it's just about as easy as you can hope for uh, as, as Leverkusen. And if he doesn't pick up all three points from that game, I'd be very surprised if... Uh, they're not asking themselves some very serious questions. Yeah. Um, I, I think for them, maybe it comes down to making some changes on the pitch. Uh, Radetzky is one, right? Mm. Um, and I mean, you are talking about this not being a final. I, I mean, we all had that impression, but I think the decision makers still were quite shocked on how easy it was for Bayern to turn over this Leverkusen side. I think it was exactly the game that Bayern Munich in many ways needed. Uh, I mean, other than Jamal Musiala, everyone at that club has been searching for their form. And, um, you know, Sadio Mane will be delighted about this goal, but it was a quite an easy goal to score. There was no pressure on him whatsoever from, from Leverkusen's defense. And so this is, as you said, this is, this is a good one for, for Leverkusen, for, for Bayern, because it kind of builds them up. But you look at, that performance by Leverkusen and you would just say, okay, well, you can lose in Munich, fair enough. You know, that's happened to other teams, but it can't happen to you, not in this way, right? Sorry, say that one more time, Manu. It can't happen to you this in this way. Um, I know you're watching highlights in the background. That's great. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I actually am not. I clicked on it by accident and uh, it started playing <laughs> so loudly and it completely drowned out what you said there. 
Uh, it's a sign that I have to stop talking. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do sense that, like, I guess my final thought is they were okay with losing there, but they were not okay the way it happened. No, of course not, yeah. And, and that's kind of the issue, of course. You know, it's, it's one thing to kind of lose a match on paper, but it's another thing if it doesn't seem like the players are actually making an effort or... Um, you know, seem to be working towards something in general. So that's probably more concerning, but I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I feel like the way, I actually kind of thought, I was kind of had high hopes for Schalke this weekend, but they haven't really worked things out against Augsburg. And hmm. they they could prove to be a perfect kind of turnaround for, for Leverkusen. Yeah, the, the modern news is today that apparently Kramer could be the next one on the chopping block. Hmm. Which is something a subscriber suggested to us last week, and we weren't mm-hmm. entirely sure, but there you go. Yeah, it could. Apparently, there is uh, internal issues between the squad and uh, Kramer. So mm. um, they have their own little final, I guess, at the moment. I just, you know, I'm looking at Leverkusen's squad at the moment, and I'm, I'm seeing there if you could, like, maybe put someone else in goal, but you really can't because that position is thin. Um, at that club, unless they have some wonderkind in the in the youth setup that I haven't heard of, they are going to they're probably going to have to address it somehow. Um, yeah, so not good times at Leverkusen. Great times for Bayern though. Sadio mm-hmm. Mane scored, uh, scored two actually had one chalked off towards the end because you know that's just how it is for Mane. At least he wasn't offside this time. Um, Musiala, once again, brilliant. I mean, that kid, watching him live is even better than watching him on TV. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, overall, I think that was a really, really convincing performance. And I think it's going to quieten things down just a bit. And I think if they get the job done against Victoria Pilsen, mm. other than them all having COVID, <laughs> 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 which... The club today had to tell their players, or on the weekend had to tell their players, no more October Fest visits from for you because that's where everyone is getting sick. Um, but yeah, Kimmich sick, Müller sick, uh, Neuer just recovered, I think, right? Goretzka mm-hmm. just recovered. So um, I don't think their their win against Victoria Pilsen is going to be jeopardized by all of this. But yeah, still interesting kind of development. But I think other than that, you know, it's not big news because everyone just seems to be elated that they finally gotten their first win after going winless for four games. Yeah, and it also kind of turns the kind of narrative around for the Dortmund game next weekend, yeah. where last week we were saying, you know, Dortmund on the ascendancy, you know, the cherry on the cape could be if they kind of take result of Bayern. Now, Dortmund obviously kind of stumble against Cologne, and they've got some players missing... I think mm. I'm not mistaken. Royce is now missing. Cobell's now missing for the midweek game. They're waiting to see if they'll be fit, and it could be like a four, could already be a foregone conclusion um, going into that game if these players are still unfit or if Dortmund are still struggling. So yeah, I got a lot of flack midweek from U.S. soccer fans because I suggested that Giorena shouldn't have gone. Mm. Um, still think that was idiotic in this stretch of games. Hmm. you know how can you send some of these guys to their respective national teams it's yeah. just you know i i just you know, i i it baffles the minds this is not even something just centered against the u.s men's national team i think in general like, unless you're playing a competitive fixture or qualification game like why 
why why do you have to do this right now? I understand there's a World Cup and all that, but the form that you're having right now is not going to impact you in a month's time. Yeah. Right. I mean, quite the opposite. You are in danger of injuring some of your best players. Like, why are you doing this? I just, yeah. I just don't understand. Right. And then, then especially when you're picking up kids that are kind of on the cusp of regaining fitness, like, wouldn't you want them to just train with their respective teams? Yeah, you know, and it's and e- even more so with Gio Reyna, who's just had the most unfortunate luck. Um, yeah. It's just, it seems very, very bizarre. It's maybe something that he still feel, or he does feel quite passionate about. He wants to be part of that. He wants to obviously be at the World Cup for the US men's national team. But so he's I, going to be anyways if he's fit. He's the best player. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but he also has to kind of get into that team. He has to kind of work, make sure he, the coach is okay with him and ta- yeah. he fits into the tactics and the formation. But I completely agree with you. It's just baffling. And Dortmund could really have used him at the weekend. Um, mm. He's one of the few players in that squad, I think, who can actually really, you know, fill in for Marco Royce when he's fully fit and in form. Um, and they definitely missed him against Cologne. Yeah, I mean... No offense to Cologne, but you cannot lose a game like that. And that, this is what frustrates me about the Bundesliga. They, Bayern Munich did everything in their power to give Dortmund and all these other teams an assist um, to sort of maybe walk away with a few points. And I mean, Bayern Munich might not be out of the woods yet, and maybe Dortmund will surprise us and win next week. But, you know, this is the time when you give yourself a cushion if you want to mm-hmm. ch- t- challenge for the title, if you want to challenge Bayern Munich. And um, yeah, it just seems a good time to put up a run and they didn't. And I think that's that's the frustrating thing about that result. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's it, I mean, I kind of saw it coming a mile off. I think I said in my predictions, I predicted a yep. draw for that game. Yeah. Um, if not le- if not more so. And I thought it could have very easily gone in for, um, for Cologne as it did. And... You know, it's 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 something I've been kind of saying for quite some time now in terms of this 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 uh, Dortmund side. If you, they they just don't have a playmaker, you know. Mm-hmm. If you if you kind of look at the pass maps for Dortmund in that game, they've got Julian Brandt, Bellingham, and Emery Chan, who obviously Emery Chan came on for Ozcan. Yeah. But you look at the way you you look at who Brandt's passing the ball to. His biggest passer is Rafael Guerrero, or it's Bellingham. Um, mm. You know. Or it's Munier, he's not really Brandt's not really passing the ball further up the pitch. You know the same goes for Bellingham. Bellingham's biggest passers are Thomas Munier, uh, and then you know it's then uh, who else? He's got Rafael Gallero, Brandt. So these guys are passing to each other, but there's no one really. There's no one in that. There's no real kind of number ten in that team, in, in my opinion. Michael um, Royce aside, and. The fact that they're still relying on him so desperately after all these years uh, is deeply troubling, I think. I mean, obviously, Jaden Sancho was in there at that point, and he was the guy who would get assists and, and make something on the wing. And maybe they're kind of hoping that in time, Daniel Malin and Adeyemi can become those guys. But it just seems bizarre to me that they still haven't really, nothing seems to have clicked in that position, in those central mm. midfield positions. As good as Jude Bellingham has been, you know, and as, and as good as he is. Um, and he once again showed that an international break for England, just like how far he has come yeah. in Dortmund. So he is improving. He is, he is developing at the club. But, um, you know, I did kind of say, uh, I wrote a newsletter at the start of the season saying Dortmund desperately need Bellingham to kind of develop into a playmaker because that's the one position they just have not bought any uh, cover for. 
and it right now it's biting them in the ass. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think that you know they, they, when I was in Dortmund and talked to some people, they were obviously hoping that Gio Reyna could develop into that role and then medium term replace Marco Reus. Um, I think there's also hope that he would stabilize physically, right? Mm. Um, it's a little bit like Aryan Robin, who also had all these issues at that age and didn't really get it together until like his mid twenties at Bayern. Even then, he was still quite injury prone. Mm. Um, some people are just like that, I think. And you know, Gio Reyna has all the skill set to be that player, but you have to be fit for more than five minutes. Actually, actually play there, and I, I look at this squad. I'm having it right in front of me, and I I couldn't tell you who's gonna fill that role. If Julian Brandt, I think was it you or Stefan Buschko who tweeted that, like, uh, poor Stefan, like poor like Julian Brandt, who now has to play as a number ten for what four games in a row because <laughs> Giorena is out with an injury from the international break. Yeah, because he's not that player. He can't. He, he's but, not. But what is Julian Brandt? That's it's the question. question. What, yeah. what, what is Julian Brown? Because he he was a he was a smart winger at Leverkusen. That's how he came through. He was a smart inside forward, if you want to use that term. Yeah, he could go by players, he could create goals, he could score goals. And over the last five or six years at Dortmund, he's just been kind of used as this kind of handyman around midfield. And he's he's capable of moments of absolute brilliance he's capable of, he's capable of things in that mm. team that i don't think really anyone in that team can do to an extent uh at least since jaden sanjo left in the way that he can kind of play one twos and move past players but it's just not good enough and yeah i don't know i just i just don't understand i feel like the Dor- dortmund looked at that squad in the summer and said right we're going to sign these forwards and we're going to sign these defenders and i just have no idea why Maybe it's because they couldn't see past the shining glaze of Jude Bellingham in that midfield, and they thought, right, well, he's obviously going to play every game, which absolutely he should play every game. He's a good mm. number eight, uh, but they just completely overlooked that the need for someone to be pulling the strings in that team, and so, it's not Julian Brandt. Yeah, you know, so the, there is a best case scenario for Julian Brandt, and I'm not saying before anyone starts screaming at the radio or their cell phone or whatever they're listening to. Uh, this podcast too, there is a best case scenario for Julian Brandt. And there is a player that I remember who kind of played as a winger, as an attacking midfielder, and they tried him in all sorts of positions. And then all of a sudden, Joachim Löw, you know, Louis van Gaal put him on a number six. Hmm. You know who I'm talking about? Bastian Schweinsteiger. Mm. Remember when people thought he was a winger and yeah, just he just wasn't fast enough to be there. <laughs> but you know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of him. Yeah, so th- that's a best case scenario. You know, yeah. Julian well, Brandt grows up overnight, discovers all his playing playing skills, becomes very dedicated to his job, and has a coach that can actually tell him to play that position because Louis van Ka- van Hal is a brilliant head coach. People don't like him. A lot of people don't like him. I know he's uh, controversial and all that, but he's brilliant. He's an absolute brilliant head coach. Dortmund are not coached by a Louis van Gaal. No. and <laughs> I mean, the difference between Brandt and Bastian Schweinsteiger, like technically they're probably quite similar actually, but yeah. the difference is that mental fortitude. Yep. And Schweinsteiger obviously has that 
he had that he didn't drive. have to, he didn't have that in the beginning though i mean brand is i had to look this up because i couldn't believe that myself but he's only 26 yeah well maybe that's the difference between coming through as a player at bayern and coming through as a player yeah. at dortmund you yeah know, there's yeah. the there's the there's the institutional or cultural expectation that you go on that pitch and you get shit done and yeah. like my my kind of lasting impression of bastian schweinsteiger and it's obviously like the way he was towards the end of his career, but he was a guy who would walk on that pitch and he'd walk off with like blood stains and bruises. And, mm-hmm. you know, as well as being an outstanding passer of the ball, he's a guy who got stuck in. And I've never seen Julian Brandt as that player. Yeah, but you have to remember like that happened at, in 2010 when he was coached by Louis van Gaal. Mm. Uh, and again, yes, he had the right mentor to instill that into him, but. You know, before that, it was him. It was Schweini and Poldi for many years, Schweinsteiger and Podolski, right? And they were doing all sorts of funny things at Bayern Munich. Like Schweinsteiger smuggled in his quote-unquote cousin into the whirlpool at Bayern Munich when he was younger. Mm. You know, he did that kind of stuff. Like there was there was a time when he was also kind of laser fair, and it wasn't until Louis van Gaal basically told him it wasn't like a choice. He told him that this was the role he was going to play, and that's when he kind of developed into this player. And I, I mean, I'm saying again, this is best case. And I don't see anyone at Dortmund to take on that kind of mentorship role. But, you know, maybe they just did. <sighs> this comes down again to leadership, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you, need, you need two things at Dortmund. You need a coach who gives players exact directions of what to do. And the other thing that they maybe need, and this comes back to your point that they need a playmaker. Maybe they also need a squad planner. Hmm. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, you know, like, and I mean, the problem here isn't really that Julian Brandt isn't good enough or that Gio Reyna can't stay fit. The problem is that Dortmund still rely on these players to be players that they clearly haven't been for some time. The fact that Dortmund are relying on Julian Brandt to be consistent or they're relying on Gio Reyna to be fit for an entire season is the club's fault. It's not these. It's not these players' fault. No. Um, and they do need a. They do need a, a squad player. And you know, I was chatting to. I was actually chatting to a chief executive at Bundesliga club last week, and I was running past him my theory that I've spouted on this podcast a number of times that like you know Bundesliga clubs are too interested in buying young players, developing these squads that look good on FIFA, and <laughs> they're just not. There's not enough. There's not a real market force that's pushing these clubs to be to to to, to turn around and say, well, actually, maybe we need to sign more kind of like grizzled veterans who will put a shift in. And he's like, yeah, there could be something to that, you know. And you can see it at the top three or four clubs in the country outside of Bayern. You can see it at Leipzig, even though they do have some senior players now because that project's been going for some time. Yeah. Um, you can see they do lack a degree of fortitude uh, in that team. Dortmund, I think it's quite obvious. I think it's quite obvious at Leverkusen as well. Um, and those are three clubs that are pushing that should be pushing Bayern in the title. So it's 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 it, I completely agree with you. Dortmund Dortmund are very good at kind of identifying exciting young players who, you know, will get Premier League scouts very excited, but when it comes to doing the real hard work of building a squad that can win things, they seem to be coming up trumps time and time again. Yeah, you know, Sven Mislintat, who did it for Klopp, might be free soon again. 
lots of trouble at Stuttgart, so maybe that's a guy that they need to bring back. Um, yeah, it's a. I think it's a topic that's going to be with us for a while. Hey, what do you want to talk about next? Should we talk about Werder Bremen or Christopher Nkunku? Let's do Nkunku because I wrote my newsletter on Bremen and people can go read that if they want to know about Bremen. Okay, sounds good. So <laughs> Nkunku um, it's going to Chelsea, apparently. Well, Maybe. Appa- apparently he's not. Apparently he's not going to Chelsea. Florian Plettenberg has just tweeted saying, yes, Chelsea want him. Potter and Bowley are ne- pushing to sign him and there were negotiations. Deals can happen, but we've been told again, no pre-contract with Chelsea and the medical should have been private. No officials from Chelsea took part. So he's mm. he's disputing uh, if any deals in place and whether Chelsea were even at the medical. Yeah. David Ornstein, of course, today reporting in the morning that Chelsea have a pre-contract, mm. um, that there is an exit clause and uh, that Chelsea are willing to negotiate with Leipzig ahead of time to sign Nkunku for more money than the exit clause that I've been told doesn't exist. So we're getting a lot of very different information on this. Yeah. And can I just kind of jump in here and say that, that none of this makes any sense to me in the sense that if Chelsea had planned on, uh, you know, signing Kunku, if he's, if he's been someone who's been on the radar for some time now, why didn't they bring this up when Leipzig were trying to sign Timo Werner? The obvious answer to that question is because Nkunku wanted to stay at Leipzig this season to get game time and to get into the France squad. I completely understand that. But there's no reason why Chelsea couldn't have said, right, okay, the player wants to stay there for game time this season, but, yeah. you know, let's, let's hammer in some sort of clause in the Timo Werner deal that we get Nkunku, you know? So it, mm. it's, it, it just seems very odd to me about how that this wasn't part of that. And, you know, you and I have been talking about this throughout the summer, actually, just because we've been covering the Premier League transfer market for some time now. Yeah. And the way that um, Chelsea's new owner has kind of gone about not so much signing players, but had, it's almost as if he's announcing or the club is announcing that they will be signing players before anything goes through. Uh, it happened with the Oscar Guardiola, and it might now be happening with this deal as well if. Florian Plettenberg mm. has managed to pick up an interesting scoop there. You know, well, what I think it is, and I've been talking to people uh, at Leipzig about this, we were baffled at first when the news came out because it, it was very different than what they thought it was, um, which plays into what Florian Plettenberg said, right? Was I think is a, I know him personally. He's a very reliable source. Mm. Um, but also David Ornstein is a very reliable source, which tells me that different people are telling different people different things. Mm. Um, and that happens in this business. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think journalists are lying. Mm. This is why I hate disputing going on the show and say this guy is putting out the wrong news it's like no he's reporting what people reliable people are telling him Mm. don't blame the journalist for telling you this we're not making we're not making this stuff up someone is telling us that if this information isn't right it's because the source is not giving you the right information or is giving information that they perceive as being right Mm. and i think this is what's happening here 
I think that David Ornstein is being told one thing. Florian Plattenberg is talk, tell, being told another thing. And we all know that at Chelsea, there is an owner who is also now operating as a sporting director who is brand new to the sport, who mm. is, has handed out information in the past that was simply not correct. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like he's led to gung-ho with... Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's him first. Can't we must say we, we don't actually know if it's him know. that's if it's leaking these things. But it does seem as though someone at Chelsea throughout the summer has been leaking stories before these deals are over the finish line, and that could be the case with Nkunku. But having yeah. said that, if it does go through, it makes perfect sense for the player. You know, he's obviously done all he can at Leipzig. Leipzig have already have clearly uh, prepared for him to leave as well, with not only mm-hmm. Timo Werner but you know Benjamin Sesko coming in next summer. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm sure they'd be happy to pick up a handsome fee for him and to move on. Um, so I guess we just have to wait and see. The only person that should really be worried, uh, and if you're a US football fan right now, <laughs> uh, you should be paying attention to this because I think uh, not only will it push Hakim Ziyech out of the club, I also think we might see Christian Pulisic move on as well if this does yeah. go through. Oh yeah, he's absolutely taking up that spot. Because I... Someone was suggesting my timeline that I, I, we're veering off a little bit of topic here. And I, we're not really because we're talking about Nkunku. And there's probably a lot of Chelsea fans tuning in on this and wanting to listen to this. But I think Kai Havertz is a very different profile and would probably actually do quite well playing with Nkunku. Mm. Yeah, he's more of a kind of number 10, I think, Havertz, or like a false number 9. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. If anything, it would actually help him. Because it would actually allow him to play the way he wants to play. Mm. And you could actually see the two of them operating together in a front two. Mm. Uh, way more than you could see it. Way more even, although they were very good. I mean, we have to talk about the fact that they won this weekend 4-0. And both Werner mm. and Nkunku picked up two goals each. Um, and, you know, so, you know, he is someone who can play in a two-front line quite well. Um, mm. So, Yeah. It's a developing story, I guess. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll probably have a lot more on it on the midweek show because I am in Leipzig mm-hmm. and I can work my sources a little bit there and we can find out a few more things. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to... Man, our man on the ground. Oh, our man. Roving, our roving reporter. <laughs> it's time that like next November is your turn. You're going. <laughs> <laughs> I need some sleep. And <laughs> Um, but yes, I, I am going to try to find some some things out. Um, I is I always like visiting Leipzig and the, the stadium there and the games. And the city is actually quite lovely as well. So, uh, and Champions League football is something very special. And I'm playing again at the games against Celtic. So, um, mm. yeah, you know quite a bit about them as well. But yeah, Stefan, I think uh, we leave Werder Bremen maybe for the midweek. Or... Yeah, of course. So anyone anyone who's a subscriber will hopefully have my newsletter in their inbox yeah. by the time this comes out. But uh, if you're not, go give it a go subscribe and give it a read because it's just a real kind of joyous celebration of how much I've enjoyed watching Werder Bremen this mm-hmm. season, and hopefully that it will continue. Yeah, and I can stop bothering you sending Niklas Füllkrug articles to you saying that you should <laughs> be playing in the national team. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he should. I, I think if you have twenty six places in your squad, you should be calling him up. Why not? Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of podcasts between now and the World Cup. I'm sure you'll yeah. get your chance. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's late on a Monday night. We're recording this late um, because there's a lot going on. Where, as I said, I'm on the ground covering games. Um, but yeah, 
I think that's it. I think we covered everything. Um, for more content, please head to our newsletter, Substack, uh, whatever you want to call it, and subscribe. We've seen that a lot of you have been interacting. I will probably have some post-match stuff for you again this week because um, I, we can see that you guys like it. And so if you want to access that, it's, it will be on the, in the newsletter. And yeah, this podcast, if you're not listening to it on our newsletter, is brought to you by Bet Online. And other than that, Stefan, any final words? No, not at all. Just looking forward to the Champions League stuff and we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Yeah, sounds good. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.